Hello and welcome to the 20th episode of Golden Grenades, a podcast that takes a sideways glance over the spotting scope at birds, all set against the uplifting and heartwarming backdrop of the end of the world. My name is Kit, aka Yolo Birder, and today is a slightly unusual episode. It's the last in the current series, and it's our 20th episode, and I'm joined today by Will Rose, my partner in crime in this podcast escapade, and we're just going to chat about birds and see how it goes. There's no plan, we're doing it as live, pretty much, and we just thought it would be a nice way to round off the series. So, Will, hello, how are you doing, my friend? Hi, Kit. How are you doing? Congratulations. 20 episodes. Blimey. Yeah, thanks, man. It's been great. I've loved doing it. You know, the recordings and meeting everybody and chatting to people, people I've always wanted to have a, a good chin wag with, but never had a chance to before. And obviously, you've been instrumental in helping me get this off the ground, as I mentioned in your episode, which was number 10. If anybody hasn't listened, go back and listen to Will's Favourite Birds in episode 10 of series one. It's been a pleasure. I've been listening along like everyone else and uh, I've only did a tiny little few bits on it and uh, like to create the odd animation for you and things like that. But yeah, it sounded really good to my end. You know, each one's different and it's always exciting to hear everyone's top five and, and the stories behind them. And I think, yeah, you've unearthed some very interesting stories. I've enjoyed them all. Yeah, thanks. I guess that was the idea, you know, to try and sort of see if there was any themes that came out of it and just have a chat about birds and why we love them so much and which ones mean the most to us and tapping into that sort of tweet of the day type little personal anecdotes, which I think we've got a few people talking along those lines, which has been great, you know, from the first episode where David Lindo described still hankering after and and believing that he might still one day find an Eskimo curlew to, you know, the last episode where Johnny Fisk talked about fathering a brood of house martins, basically, you know. So there's been loads of little (laughs) personal tales along the way. Turns out that most of the guests we've had on have been very emotional almost about migratory birds, birds that go away and come back, yeah. birds that have a special meaning to people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it works for me too. I mean, you're just anchoring for that first swift or hobby turning up. And I think they, they become all the more special, don't they, for being those birds that aren't with us all year. And, you know, uh, some funny stories, swallows that, you know, people used to think they hibernated underwater in air bubbles and things like that, you know. But there's a, a romanticism to all that as well, isn't there? That they perhaps flew off to the moon to, to hang out there for a bit and come back down again. And uh, everyone loves all that. It's great. Yeah, fascinating and, and amazing as well that some of these beliefs were actually held for far longer than the knowledge that we actually now know to be true. You know, that it's only relatively recently in, in sort of bird law that we've actually cottoned on to migration and still learning so much about it. You mentioned swifts, and I think it would be remiss of us not to talk about swifts because that has been the most most popular bird to the point where I actually cheesed people off by saying you can't pick swift. And they were like, no, Lucy McRobert was actually, I have swifts tattooed on my body. Why can't I have a swift? It's like, because everybody's picking swift. You and I are big swift fans, and we've, we've gone to the lengths of putting up swift boxes haven't we yes this is, well it's first year for me i've got one uh, actually having talked to laura as well who's laura howard she has a swift hotel i think advertised on airbnb hers is fantastic the the dog's dangly is for all but all swifts and um 
Yeah, I thought I'd go for it this year because there are uh, Crystal Palace where I am a good amount of Swifts that turn up in uh, May and um, and I was pretty sure that they nested next door and they've done that this year and not me, but that's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with that. As long as they're around, that's good, right? Definitely. If you've got them next door, that's close enough. Mine are they're non-existent. So have you got anything in your box? There's zero life forms in, in my box. How about you? I have two boxes. I put them up late last spring, so probably got them up sort of middle of May. It was a bit too late. And this year, they've been up the whole time. I've been playing the calls. Yeah, I did a bit of that. Yeah. Driving the family mad. <laughs> and yeah. from a very early stage, I had house sparrows in there, in one of them. They're on the second <laughs> brood which is is fantastic because I love a spuggy, just not what I want. I've got other places for spuggies, but, you know, they've chosen the the penthouse apartment. And (laughs) today I discovered that in the other one, I've got a wasp's nest. Well, that's a turn up for the books. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I've literally put up a luxury wasp nest and a sparrow penthouse. (laughs) I I was told uh, when I got the box itself, he said, You'll be lucky if they come in straight away. They basically seem to choose their nest before they know where they're going when they're coming in. Yeah. So I'm hoping one side spied my my one. My, you know, Wasp Hotel may have been spotted, but perhaps he's <laughs> logged it in for next year and he's going to tell his pals or, you know, like he's going to swoop in <laughs> and get in there before uh, the stingers get in there. <laughs> Yeah, no, I hope so. I had hoped for that this year that that they might have noticed and and had a sniff because they were around. But yeah, no, I think the sparrows are too dominant. I was saying to you earlier that I'd just come back from North Yorkshire and saw them for the first time for me nesting in the tiles of a of, of a roof and they were squeezing right in there and they're quite you know only a regular two-story house I'm zooming over your head and then into this tiny little spaces two of them wedging it in yeah and I always wonder how they seem so fixed in position their wings that how a bird like that ends up in a little mouse hole is beyond me and how they you know get out how do they reverse I mean yeah when they're inside as well their wings are so long they look like you know what? I think they know what they're doing. They've obviously got the knack for it, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think they've got this sussed by now. <laughs> Talking of the, you know, we've had all these favourite birds like swifts, obviously being a big favourite. Barn owl. Yep. I was really surprised. We've had loads of people talking about barn owls. That's a big favourite, yep. and I, I, I didn't anticipate that at all. I knew swift would be popular, but I didn't realise mm. barn owl would be quite so popular yeah and dipper and you know there's been some slightly surprising ones that that have been picked by a few people but what i've noticed is there's a couple of noticeable emissions now so we've done 20 episodes five birds per episode obviously there's been some duplicates but that's a hundred different opportunities and out of that nobody's picked the robin now ah yeah Nation's favourite bird, national bird, as it was voted in a campaign that David Lindo led a few years ago. Yeah. It's now the Britain's national bird, but nobody's picked the robin. I think there has been a broad range of where people are like, you know, I'm not just going to pick that because it's got three beaks or whatever. You know, they've gone for something that's like, that's, that's means something to them. So you'd have thought a robin might have, with especially with its song and its regularity, that it would be, yeah. and, and it turning up when you're gardening and all that kind of thing, yeah. you know. Somebody will pick it one day, I'm sure. But yeah, it, it surprised me that nobody's gone for that. And the other one I'm really surprised at is Golden Eagle. Why? Yeah, yeah. One of Britain's most impressive birds. 
hasn't been picked yet. Yeah. I guess we're kind of lucky that we've got quite a lot of cool raptors in the UK. You know, yeah. and we've we've had all of the others pretty much. But any wagtails on there? I'm trying to remember any like a yellow wagtail or anything like that. No, we haven't. We've definitely not had a wagtail. Yeah, well, there's plenty of birds left, which is which is good because, as you say, there is a lot of duplicates. And I mean, yeah, I think you had to sway, sway me off. Yeah, hobby is a big favourite of mine, but I think we had uh, Nick coming on, and you know, like you want to make sure that you know there's yeah. a good, um, a good, a good spread, a broad range. So anybody listening that I might be tapping up for future episodes, you know, there's some suggestions for you steer away from the chaffinch because they're bang average and I haven't got much to say about them. <laughs> That's harsh, isn't it? Bless them, poor chaffinches. Talking of talking of raptors, mm-hmm. you mentioned hobbies there and you had nesting hobbies near you last year, you told me about. Has there been any joy this year? Yeah, same time. Appeared pretty much to the day and I'm just looking out for them now. Just been away for uh, about five days or so. So I'm just going to go and check them out. They seem to go... If anyone's got any knowledge on this, they went very quiet in June. I know they're late breeders. So whether they go off and feed up to come back to nest and have young or what, I can only imagine they're feeding up somewhere in a hobby hotel somewhere. (laughs) Looking forward to them returning. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed (laughs) for that. So before we could go any further, I've got a zero punches poll question for you. Zero punches poll. Okay, great. I'm I'm looking forward to this. Come on then. So, would you rather have a dainty tattoo of a lovely mallard on your cheek <laughs> or a whole back tattoo of a chaffinch? Oh. <laughs> it's funny that because yeah, I do not possess a tattoo and I've often thought like obviously if I'm going to have one, it's going to be a bird. So, yeah. <laughs> a mallard on my cheek <laughs> or Mallard on your cheek or a full back chaffinch? <laughs> back chaffinch is just embarrassing. Imagine just going to the, the swimming baths with that and then, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think you could get away with a cheeky mallard on your cheek. Starts a few conversations, whereas if you get it's a full on, if you're down the pub three pints in and you go, tell you what, lads, I've uh, got something you may not have seen. How <laughs> about this seen- chaffinch on my back? Yeah, I'm going to go. It's uh, a striking male mallard on my left cheek. I think that's the right answer. I have to say nobody wants a, a back chaffinch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, if uh, if you're firing one at me, I'll, I'll fire one at you. Uh... Zero punches pulled. Okay, two new birds have evolved onto the scene. Which of these two would you choose to frequent the British Isles? The first, the most boring ever looking girl, but <laughs> has all the abilities of a peregrine, can stoop at 300 miles per hour and actively seeks out and eats other girls. <laughs> or a coot that has the fantastic plumage of a peregrine, head mask, slate grey back, which it uses to ward off predators, but... It has no other skills rather than coot skills. <laughs> there you go. That's a great question. Now, I have given coots some stick over the years, and it's largely because they have funny-looking feet and they're <laughs> aggressive. But actually, they're, they're quite impressive in how aggressive they are and how territorial they are, so I do respect them for that. So 
even you know a coot that looks like a peregrine with only coot skills would still be cool i like to think it would still have the coot feet but they'd be bright yellow that it could really clobber somebody I'm thinking with. that myself yeah when i envisage this uh, monster <laughs> The other one just sounds awesome, though, because I've given girls a lot of stick over the years. As I've described on this podcast, it's not because I dislike girls. It's just because I'm lazy and I don't have the abilities to distinguish all of the different types of seagull. I'm going to call them seagulls just to wind up people. But actually, a good looking girl is a good looking bird. So... (laughs) Talking to Alex Bond, he really convinced me that a herring gull in full breeding plumage is a spectacular looking bird. I have said it's still the most boring <laughs> looking gull ever. So it would be hard to identify, indistinguishable, but just killer in a stoop. Could you, could you imagine that taking people's chips, though, 300 um, miles an hour? I think the shock value of it would be pretty good because it would just be, you know, hanging around and everyone's like, what, well, you know nothing going on here then it zooms in 300 miles per hour and that, uh, takes out the nearest gull that was a- actually after your chips anyway that would be awesome and they'd be popular with the public if it was taking other gulls mm. but if it actually then adapted to take chips at that speed though that would be something i'd want to see <laughs> i think i'm gonna have to go for the peregrine coot i think that just sounds awesome <laughs> it does actually in my mind that was the lesser bird but actually now i'm thinking yeah that's pretty cool be just cruising around lord of the manor i just like the idea of them walking up to something on land and then just punching it with this big massive yellow horrible Great. foot the coot for me i might step in here and say like we've all enjoyed this lovely podcast you've been doing but you haven't had a chance to say your five top birds so i thought this would be a fine opportunity. So would you be interested in sharing that with us? I'll give it a go. And I think what I'll do is I'll exclude anything we've already had, which makes it a lot easier because, I mean, Nightjar would get in my top five any day of the week. There's no two way about it, but we've talked about that. Swifts as well would have definitely been in my top five had they not been so popular (laughs) and I've now gone off them. (laughs) (laughs) Kestrel, Bullfinch, these are all birds that I absolutely love, but I'll have a... Stab at a top five. So, obviously, number one is the peregrine. I tell you what, we'll do it properly if we're going to do this. I'll do the sound effects in, in afterwards. I could do a live one if you want. Bird number one. <laughs> Excellent. Bird number one is the peregrine falcon. So, yeah, no surprises. I've been banging on about it for 20 episodes now. Simply the best bird in the world. And I have talked about it on the podcast a couple of times. Kabir Call also picked the peregrine falcon. Yep. So we had a little chat about it then. Luke Massey and Katie Stacy earlier this series as well, talked about their peregrines in Chicago, and it was one of their five. Yeah, they're filming, yeah. Yeah, so that's a, that's a great story. You know, for me, it was my trigger bird. It was the bird that made me love birds in the first place. As the title suggests, it's, it's your main bird. It's the, the reason for the show, I guess, yeah. As a kid, we were shown a TV show at school. It was called Look and Read. And as part of that show, it was teaching kids how to spell and how to read and things like that. But there was a little segment in that show called Sky Hunter, which was a serial thing. And it was about plucky kids discovering the illegal sale of peregrine falcons, you know, and how they foiled the baddies and stuff whilst learning to read along the way. Yeah, education, isn't it? You know, it's pretty good. And I think it was just the excitement of that, you know, watching telly at school was exciting enough going into the hall and having the big telly on wheels rolled in. When it comes in, it's like, excuse me, I shall just wheel in the telly. 
like whatever it is, even if it's the most boring thing, it's going to be brilliant. This is better than lessons. Come on. Yeah. I'm, I'm watching telly at school. It's dead good. And it's a big telly on wheels like I don't have at yeah. home. So and then saw my first peregrine at the Lake District and saw it stooping and stuff. And that was that was awesome. And yeah. the other thing was I used to be a member when I was a kid about 11, 12. I used to be a member of a local wildlife group. It was run by the Wildlife Trusts at the time, and it was called Watch. And there was different meetings, and you went on field trips and talks, you know, from people, and they would sometimes they would bring an owl in, and it would be dead exciting. One time, it was a competition, and the competition was you drew a bird from inside the museum collection, and a local artist called James Alder, who was a very prominent naturalist and artist, he painted birds for the royal family. He did a book on the birds of Balmoral and stuff at their request. And so he was he was quite a, a big character. And yeah. he decided to teach kids for a year. He would judge, he would pick 10 or 12 kids out of all the kids. I think about 50 of us went into this competition. We all went off around the museum, drawn a bird, and I picked a peregrine, obviously. And everybody drew a bird and I got picked. And so James Alder taught me how to draw birds for, it was meant to be a year, but he en- he seemed to be enjoying it. So he kept us going for a couple of years. It was fantastic. Every sa- yeah, yeah. yeah, every Saturday morning, I used to go to the Hancock Museum and we'd, we'd have an art class for an hour or two. And it was, it was awesome. Not that I'm particularly artistic Excellent. now or kept that up. Actually, another one of the lads on the course did actually go on to become plate artist for bird books and stuff. I lost touch with him a long time ago. But so if you're listening to this, Richard, which I think is very unlikely, but drop me a line. So yes, peregrines have always had a special place in my heart, you know, ever since I was a kid. Basically, they're just amazing. They've got a mustache, tick. They're the fastest animal on the planet, yeah. tick. They've got yeah. nostrils that were the blueprint for the jet engine, tick. Didn't know that one. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There's nothing not to like about them. They're just great. And people who do them down, it's because, you know, they just sit around and they don't do much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when they do do stuff, it's pretty cool. Fastest animal on the planet has got to take some beating. And especially when they look as good as that. Yeah, I mean, they look cool. I couldn't help it as a kid. You did like your Lamborghinis, you like your Cheetahs, you like your T-Rex. And then there's the Peregrine Falcon, you know, it's just one of those absolute super cool things that you just cannot, it cannot be disagreed with, I'm sure. This podcast, the, the battle element hasn't always gone well for the Peregrine and I feel like I've done them a disservice, but thank you for giving me the opportunity to extol their <laughs> virtues today because, this, you this know. This is your moment. <laughs> <laughs> If you're brutally frank with everyone's choice, you know, when it came to an actual battle, a peregrine is going to nail pretty much everyone's bird. So I think you were just very good natured, a lovely man who's just let people <laughs> have their bird moment, but knowing deep inside that, the, that your bird would turn them into a puff of feathers. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 all a bit silly, the, the, the battle element, but but yeah, they are the best bird and everybody right. knows it. Okay, how about bird number two? <laughs> well, bird number two is very closely linked to the peregrine for me for similar reasons, and it's a bird we've not had yet. And I'm probably not going to talk a lot about because I hope that we will do maybe a raptor special or something. I'm I'm thinking that maybe we could yeah. get some people who work with raptors on and maybe talk a bit more about raptors in in that sense. So I'm not going to say an awful lot, but it's the goshawk. Oh, fantastic. 
I couldn't believe it took till episode 19 to talk about the Sparrowhawk when Johnny Fisk picked it. But Sparrowhawks are amazing. And then Goshawks are just Sparrowhawks on steroids. Like peregrines when you see them. It's like... When you when you were first getting into it, is it a per, is it a kestrel? Is it you know is it any of those kind of things? And then it's like flipping it. It's not. It's a peregrine. And like if it's a goshawk, then then you're talking yeah. shivers down your spine, especially over in the UK. We've talked a little bit, haven't we, about when you're a kid and you you're looking at the bird books and you gravitate to the ones that that look brilliant. You pour over certain pages, and for me, the goshawk in the bird book that I had wasn't one that. I particularly appreciated how amazing it was. But when I went to the museum, you know, as part of that class I mentioned before, I drew the goshawk was the second bird I drew. But the goshawk for me, you know, once I saw stuffed goshawk and realized just how incredible a beast it is, that was when I decided that 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 was my second favorite bird in the world, the goshawk. And I didn't see one for years. Yeah. They're hard to see, aren't they? You know, you have to go to the right places at the right times and you know i just thought i'd see one perched on a fir tree somewhere i never dreamt that you would just see a dot in the sky over some, you know some trees if you were yeah. on a sunny day in early march you know I, I just assumed i'd never i wouldn't see one it's just so great that now it's a it's a definite option if you're in the right sort of terrain and it's happened to me just when i think i'm the last thing i expect and then you know you've got that right moment and it's there just gliding over and it's uh yeah it's it's very special isn't it that's what it is yeah no they really are and they're kind of one of those birds that you know is secretive and otherworldly and not something you're going to see commonly so i've either sought them out and i've I've seen them doing their, their breeding displays and like the roller coaster like type thing that they can do in the sky and i've chanced upon them once or twice as well just flying past you know one time couple of years ago and i went to see the night jars and a goshawk just kind of like a dusk sort of flew past but you know other than that my, my views have been fairly limited i've you know friends on twitter who work with goshawks and ring them and stuff and i'm just so jealous it's like when you know you can see peregrines like you say i would go to wales or something and to get a glimpse of a peregrine above a crag happy with that little anchor shape great seeing a peregrine not expect to see it in the bins on a crag or whatever yeah, and with yeah. Goshawk, another level if you had that in your bins i would lose my mind i mean it was the you know just to have it perched ever it's something you're quite happy with a flicker of a sighting and uh you, yeah it was you know, it's like you say ghost like a ghost like a a shadow or something it's it's brilliant yeah or just to see one in the woods, you know, going through the trees like a speeder bike in Return of the Jedi, you know. Oh, <laughs> just definitely. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's got that X factor, yeah, for sure. Yeah. They're just incredible birds and such a shame that in some European cities they just hunt around in city parks and stuff like that and you can see them yeah. dead easy. But over here you you have to make a real effort and, and get lucky as well. So it, it's it's strange. Like, yeah, isn't it? Berlin, you get your nightingales and your goshawks, but that'd be boring. You, you can't be having a picnic with all that going on. I wouldn't be able to eat my sandwiches. <laughs> and maybe you take them for granted as well if you did. I don't know, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, bird number two, the goshawk. All right. I'm sure somebody will come on one day and talk about them much better than I have, but what a bird. <laughs> okay, how about... Bird number three. (laughs) So bird number three might surprise some people because I've gone for a a seabird. 
but actually it won't surprise you at all because I've gone for the Gannet. Oh, yes. Gannets, they're just fantastic, amazing. They're the biggest seabird we have, six-foot wingspan. You know, you're looking out to sea. You might be watching other stuff, you know, things bobbing around on the water or some turns, but then you might just get a few Gannets or even just a single Gannet coming in. You know, there's no mistake in them. Massive, white as white, black wingtips, and just that sort of like flying crucifix shape they have. And watching them dive, I could just do that all day long. It's like it just turns into dive mode and just drops and it's great. I don't know. I think they look great. They're stunning birds anyway. And we've got a, a, a caravan up on the Northumberland coast. And, you know, when I was younger, I, I could. I would just sit on the cliffs and just sit and watch them diving, diving and yeah they're, they're just amazing hunters yeah i can watch turns i can enjoy that and they do a similar sort of thing they just don't do it as well they, they don't do it as impressively no i mean they're massive aren't they that's what it is i mean they are huge they're big birds you, ca- you can't mistake them as they come across the water and then they're going to be one of the coolest uh, seabirds haven't they they certainly are to me there's other more impressive seabirds in terms of migratory feats and you know maybe slightly more unusual habits but yeah you know, these are these are incredible birds. We have loads and big colonies. You can go and see them. It's a spectacle. And a diving gannet, or even better, a load of diving gannets. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen them en masse, actually. I've never seen a colony. I've only seen, like, you know, six of them going over or whatever, and then they all fold and dive. Yeah. But, um... I love it in the nature documentaries as well, though, you know, when they have, like, the dolphins and the sharks yeah. and then they have all the fish and then they have the gannets and the you know the underwater footage of them just the lunging down yeah. like 10 15 feet you definitely know, that, that, that is something else but yeah you know like i say ever since ever since a kid i've always had this affinity for them and whenever i'm sea watching just sitting on the cliffs at the caravan just looking out you know i'm always secretly looking for gannets that's great yeah that's great having your chips looking for a gannet that's the way to be Exactly. Excellent. All right, then uh, how about bird number four? Bird number four is the tree sparrow. Humble little tree spuggy. It wouldn't make my top five if it wasn't for all those birds that I've excluded. But actually, in terms of the, the birds that give me most joy at the moment, tree sparrows are right up there for me. Actually, the birds in my garden, out of all of them, and I get bullfinches, which I adore. Oh, yeah but it's the tree spuggies that I particularly love. We've got one wall of the house where I've got four nest boxes up there and they favour two of them. There's two of them that they don't particularly like, but last year we had three broods in one box. This year I've had one box has had a brood and there's another brood in the in the other box. So we're already on a second brood of tree spugs. And they're just great little birds. There was none when we first moved in here over 10 years ago and now... They're just everywhere. They're all over the garden. That's great. How come you think they've had such an increase? I think, you know, we're we're quite near some fields and sort of hedgerows and things. So maybe they've always been around. But, yeah, I just put boxes up in the right place maybe. Yeah. Attracted them in. Really? And, you know, we've got a lot of overgrown bushes and things that they that they hang out in with the house sparrows as well. Yeah. They're just, they're just great. They're, there's not many birds. In fact, I can't think of any other birds and sparrows that actually sound like a bird. You know, they literally go cheap, cheap. <laughs> it's true. I mean, um, yeah, up in North Yorkshire, and I was I was just at the pub, and they, they were cleaning up underneath the tables, and I couldn't believe it. I really? So excited. I just saw one. I mean, I didn't. I just couldn't help but get my bird nerd on while I was having my chips or whatever, and uh, 
Yeah, that's, that's a tree sparrow. Brilliant. But they're very, just so striking with that complete chestnut cap to the head. And yeah, it makes me want to draw on talking about it. It's just like all the shades, <laughs> all the shades of chestnut you can get. You know, it's just lovely. They're really pretty, actually. They really are in the, in the black cheek spot. Yeah. You know, they are, they are lovely little birds. I mean, a house sparrow is you know, a, a quite an attractive bird when you spend some time, but a tree sparrow is a different proposition there. They're beautiful little birds. Is it the house sparrow that's in, that went in the swift box? Yeah, it's it's house sparrows in there and in the hedge. Yeah. But yeah, it's tree sparrows. Are, just checking, just... if it was a tree sparrow, that's fine, you know, no props. Let them in there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing a good service for the the two declining species of the obviously the house sparrow and the tree sparrow. They're they're doing pretty That's well. Right. So yeah, when you consider they're both red listed birds and tree sparrows, obviously, yeah. you know, massively in decline. Yeah, I'm I'm chuffed to bits, and yeah. I love them. So got them in your garden. I mean, that's nice, whatever it is, but to have tree sparrows, you must be a very proud parent. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's pathetic. But no, yeah, no, I'm, I'm dead chuffed with them. They're great. <laughs> All right. Then. Well, how about your, your final bird? Bird number five. So in my mind, excluding the peregrine and the goshawk, I've saved the best to last. Why this has never been discussed before, I have no idea but it's the waxwing. Total dude. You know, why has nobody chosen the waxwing before now? Because there, there is so much to love about waxwings. So first of all, they look amazing. And I know we've talked a lot about, on this podcast about birds' appearances and whether, yeah. you know, we put too much attention on that. But actually, when it comes to the waxwing, male or female, they're both amazing and you can't top them in terms of the design element. They've got a quiff, <laughs> they've got a bandit mask. You know I'm a sucker for a bandit mask or an eye stripe. And <laughs> they team that with a goatee beard. Yes. Then, then they've got that peachy gray, beautiful plumage. They've got a tail dipped in molten gold. You know, they've got this beautiful yellow stripe. They've got dabs of red on their wings, which obviously gives them the name wax wing, like a wax seal. So looks number one. Number two is that they usually when they come, if they come during an, an eruption in the winter, you get them in groups. You know, it might be just a few, it might be one or two, but if you're lucky, they'll come in dozens. And I've had 120 in the garden one year and it was Whoa. it was just amazing. And I don't have a massive garden either. It's it's fairly modest, but yeah. I had a garden, in yeah, your own yeah. garden. Yeah, that is amazing. I've had them in the garden twice, actually, two different winters, but yeah, that was fantastic. Have you got a rowan bush? What what are they eating that encourages them? It's funny you should say that. I've literally just planted a rowan this year, but that's that's literally me thinking of waxwings in five years' time. But no, we don't have anything like that. So when they when they've come to our garden, they've used an, an apple tree in our garden. And they've then flown across the back lane into another garden for the berries on their whatever it was that they had berries on at the time. I'm not sure. I'm not very good yeah. when it comes to plants. But so they weren't actually feeding in my garden, but they were using it as the, you know, how they sometimes do. They fly down and feed on something else and then they go to another tree after they've had it yeah. and then they go back and forward. So, yeah. They, they just must, must have known you're yearning to see them. <laughs> there was one time, the, the, the second time they came, I had... We're having some building work and the builder was making me decide on something fundamentally important about the, the little extension we were having done. 
and I had to make this decision. But I, you know, as I was talking to him, this small flock, and there was about fourteen of them or something, just descended. And I was just like, I'm really sorry, but look at those bit. And he just didn't care, <laughs> did not care one iota. You know, and I'm like, they're they're really special because blah blah blah. And he was like, yeah. Kip, I need you to make this decision. Can you stop looking at the birds? And I'm just like, yeah, you don't understand. <laughs> So, yeah, when you get them in a group, you know, that's mm. amazing because they perch that, you know, you get amazing views, you know, there's yeah. lots of them often. And then they start making that noise that they make. Yeah. And when, they, when they're in a group and they make that collective call mm. sort of sound they make, it's, it's, it's like nothing else that you'll, you'll get and, or you'll hear, you know, and it's so unusual and it's so tropical sounding and so weird it's not like any other british bird so it's you know they look brilliant there's loads of them and then they make this crazy sound which is incredible another thing i like about them is i love shrikes you know shrikes are one of my favorite species but say, has anyone said has anyone picked a shrike because uh yeah um luke and katie did they had red back shrike oh, of course yes they would but they're the yeah. only ones but yeah it you know there's there's a few different types and that they're all of a similar mold but there's nothing like a waxwing. Mm. It's not related particularly to any other bird that you're familiar with. You know, they may be a bit starlingy shaped, but they're definitely not a starling. You know, they're, they're yeah. just their own thing. And they, I, I think that's pretty super cool about them. I mean, I've got to agree with you. The waxwings are just brilliant. And then I remember seeing them in Maine, but it was the cedar waxwings. I think they're a little bit smaller and um, there's just a slight difference in plumage. But that was nuts because I'm so on alert at winter to see them eating the berries. And there they were after all sorts of different food to eat. And it's the summer and it's, it's the sun and there's and there's still flocks of them and they're doing their thing. But that blew my mind. Yeah, I had to go home quickly and draw one. So you get something as cool as that. That would be like seeing a flock of hummingbirds. They're just amazing for all of those reasons. And it, it, I could imagine it would be really strange seeing them in in the middle of summer you're used to seeing them on winter's days and and you know hankering after them in winter no less as well yeah so that would be weird i did them for tweet of the day on i remember yeah that's yeah, a good one. yeah on, on radio four and i think i said on there but my favorite thing about waxwings and i know i've just said all of those things i love about waxwings but my favorite thing about waxwings is that timing because they do come in the in the winter they come any time in the winter really don't they sort of from november mm. onwards you know so kind of when you need them most when you're you're sick of the the, the short days and the cold they, they really do lift your spirits and I, I i describe them the collective noun should be a dose of wax wings you know because they they're like a shot in the arm aren't they they're brilliant i think i saw my first ones in deep dark south london in streatham I tell you what twitter can be you know it's ups and downs for people get annoyed with it but it's really brilliant for birds and someone you know just said that six wax wings on this tree down this road and i was like that's not far from me i'm off i've never seen one before and it, you know they're a bird that you know just has to you have to get lucky yeah you know you can't rely on them turning up unless you live right up north uh, scotland way so um yeah yeah i totally agree with you it looks or, or everything you, you're absolutely correct excellent so it was a good choice and I, I, I knew it, I knew it, they're, they're, they're stonking birds. So there you go, That you know, it, it'll change by tomorrow, but today they're my top five. You know, normally we have a battle or something, but you know, out, out of all of those uh, five birds, you know, which which is which is your top bird out of all those? <laughs> you, you have a chance to dance around now. <laughs> uh, 
just have your moment. Which yeah. book wins this week? Well, I think, you know, after all the trials and tribulations of earlier episodes and the fact I've named this podcast after this magnificent beast, it has to be the mighty Peregrine Falcon. <laughs> finally, finally, you know, we're going to have to have a think about this battle thing for for future episodes because um, it's been fun. I mean, the second the second series has been fun with all the different devices we've done. But yeah, I mean, 20 episodes, man, you do, you've done a great job. I'll definitely do some more. I'm going to have a little bit of a break because they take a long time to edit and, and get sorted. So I'm going to have a the summer off and then see about it. Whether it keeps going weekly, I don't know, but I do have some future guests lined up. Put some wax in your quiff over, over the summer and then uh, <laughs> come steaming back in at, you know, 200 miles per hour, ready to uh, ruffle <laughs> some feathers. Yeah, punch a coot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think, like I said earlier, I might do a Raptor special. So I even have been exploring the possibility of, you know, that TV show that I mentioned that I watched when I was a kid called Sky oh, yeah. Hunter. Yeah. I've been talking to one of the producers of that show, uh, he he heard the tweet of the day I did on the Peregrine and I mentioned it and, and he got in touch. So yeah. I've I've had a couple of conversations with him and I've spoken to the daughter of the writer of the show. He he's passed away now, but that that was really interesting. So I might I might I'm I'm looking at maybe That'd be a good special, yeah, or something. Yeah, hanging a special together around that if it comes off. And then obviously you and I have got some ideas of some nerdy t-shirts and things like that that we could maybe do to connect yeah, it to the podcast yeah. yeah maybe based on birds that we've 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 talked about definitely. so yeah we've got things in the pipeline i was just thinking then when you're on your holes right i know we can't it's not like we could go anywhere too far right now if you could see something right now on your holiday we've all been trapped in what what would be on your wish list that you could see oh if i was going to go on holiday and see a dream bird yeah there's a roller in the UK at the minute. Did you see that? Oh, oh man. Yeah. yeah, I've got that written down. <laughs> I was going to say. That. <laughs> That's you don't have to go on holiday, mate. You just have to twitch. Where are they? Where are they? I can't remember exactly where it was. There's only one. If it strays into Durham, I'm, I, I write it off. I, I don't go very far these days. No. So I haven't paid attention as to where it is. But there's a roller, full stonk an adult male roller somewhere. You know, like a lot of birders, I would love, love to see a wall creeper. Oh, you yes. know, for me that I've never seen one actually. I think it's just the the challenge and the the scarcity and the terrain and the fact that they just look crazy. So yeah, I'd I'd absolutely love to see a wall creeper. They're so cool, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're one of those birds that are definitely a lot smaller than you thought. I, when I first saw them in a the book, I was thinking they're like a green woodpecker size or something like that. <laughs> and then you're like, oh no, they're just small dudes, but um. Still pretty cool. I definitely want to see a green woodpecker-sized wall creeper. That would be awesome. <laughs> what about you? What would you want? Um, what would you want to see if you could see anything right now? When I was thinking about this, yeah, I had roller down because I've only ever seen one quite briefly in Turkey. And then I was just thinking if I was in the US, it would be a Stella's J oh, that you yeah. get on the, on the West Coast with a few, you know, hummingbird stuck behind its wing or something, you know, just to pep it up a bit. Riding on its back. <laughs> Onwards we ride, Stella's Jay. <laughs> but yeah, something like that would be great. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all right for now. I'll, I'll keep you local. Make, make do with your hobbies. Yeah. Right, man. Brilliant. We'd better wrap it up. I know we could wrap it all night. Yeah, yeah. That's your lot, folks. 
keep your eyes peeled for later in the year when hopefully there will be more episodes. So, ta from me. And it's goodbye from me. <laughs> and we will catch you later in the year. Bye for now. See ya.